Nielsen says that TV streaming time exceeded cable for the first time ever in July. Summer reruns, cable TV decline and streaming sports all played their part. Listen on to find out how. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media is with me as always. Hi there, Colin. How is everything on your end? It's great, and I'm a bit burnt out on my spreadsheets this week, Will, because a lot of data has come out in the last, uh, well, in the last several weeks with earnings season, and then we've had reports from Nielsen and from the the Digital Entertainment Group. Oh boy, I've just been spending a lot of time in my spreadsheets cranking numbers <laughs> <laughs> all right well some of that uh will be will bear fruit on this week's podcast because we're going to be exploring some of the data and before we get into that a um, couple of stories that hit our radar i think you're going first on the youtube front i will and the wall street journal is reporting a rumor that youtube plans to start reselling streaming video services so apparently according to people close to the discussions the video sharing site is talking to entertainment companies about reselling their streaming services through a new channel store and when i read this it's like you sort of take a double take when you hear news like this will because google's got so many already got so many irons in the fire so they've got uh you know, Google TV and Android TV, which is their main thrust at the television for owning that experience. That's their main aggregation portal. And they've already got like 110 million devices, they say, with uh, that's, that's running either Android TV or Google TV. And so that, on, on the face of it, that sounds like a, a pretty good footprint. But I got to tell you, I love this move by them for them i think it's a really good move for them i actually think it's a pretty good move for svod providers too and the simple reason is reach everybody uses youtube and this is just a great way i think for some service providers to reach customers that they haven't been able to reach before and reach them on a device that they haven't been able to reach them for before maybe on a smartphone or a tablet or something like that um, yeah, I checked and almost three quarters of U.S. adults and teens say they use the site. Uh, I've seen numbers even higher than that. So, you know, I don't know how this will work inside of YouTube, how you would do the subscription. But uh, I think from the point of view of service providers, it's a great deal. Yeah, I think it's a smart deal also, um, given YouTube's reach and, uh, you know, putting streaming services at people's fingertips wherever they happen to be i think is a smart strategy on the streaming services side as well i i do too and i think it can only help to uh, to continue to grow the pie i know the the prevailing view at the moment i think is that svod has hit a sort of recession but it really hasn't will people were still willing to spend i was looking at deg deg numbers as i said and there was still 16 percent growth in SVOD spending year over year in Q2 of 2022, at least according to DEG numbers. So we're finding ways to spend more on those services. And I think YouTube will help those services find new customers. So a good deal, I think, all around. Anyway, what did you see? 
Uh, what hit my radar this week was um, actually also a report in the Wall Street Journal that um, Nielsen, Amazon has come to terms with Nielsen to measure uh, ratings of Amazon's broad stream of the Thursday night NFL football games on Prime Video this season. And um, that seems to be a uh, an important step for Amazon in terms of validating um, the uh, stream, the Thursday night streams as part of a, a kind of a traditional TV report that allows Amazon to more accurately uh, convey its audience numbers to potential advertisers. So um, anyway, according to the journal, uh, Amazon has told advertisers that it expects, excuse me, an average audience of 12 and a half million viewers per game for the 15 games this season. Um, and uh, that's out of 80 million homes that have a prime video subscription. And um, this will be another, I think, another way that uh, Amazon is going to help itself to some TV ad dollars, don't you think? I absolutely do, Will. Yeah, I mean, I, this is what they this is what they did the deal for, right? It was so that they could start digging to dig into that seventy billion that is spent on TV advertising every year, and uh, this is just win 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 for Amazon. It's a really good buy for them. It gets people to subscribe to Prime, which I think is what one hundred and thirty bucks a year now. Uh, yeah. they'll, they'll subscribe to Prime. Perhaps even the incremental uh, subscribers to Prime will even cover the cost of the of the of the game. I don't know. I haven't looked at those numbers in detail. Uh, they will spend more money in the Prime Store because they get that free shipping, and that's a big incentive, I think, for people to get free two day two day shipping through Prime. It boosts Prime's usage, streaming usage, and all the data I show shows that Prime Video is well behind pretty much every, uh, all the other major services in the amount of time people actually spend with the service. Uh, and that, of course, is a negative for services like Freebie, which rely on eyeballs and time spent to drive revenue. Uh, so I don't see a downside anywhere in this for... Uh, for Amazon and obviously they need legitimacy and Nielsen brings that in spades for the advertising sales uh, during the football game. So, all oh, good points. Is there anything bad about this? <laughs> I don't see anything <laughs> don't... bad about this for Amazon. Yeah, no, I agree. I think those are all good points. And actually, as we're talking about Amazon um, and YouTube's moving into aggregating, uh, we should probably shift over to our main story this week, which you're going to handle and is all about how streaming has finally eclipsed uh, cable cable TV watching. Yeah, yeah. According to Nielsen, uh, in July, 34.8% of TV time in the average household was actually taken up with streaming versus 34.4% for cable and broadcast is 21.6%. So this uh, this is a, a big news. Actually, I track the gauge uh, from Nielsen pretty closely, Will, and I've been tabulating that. I mentioned I put all of this stuff in spreadsheets. And if you look at the trends, it's pretty. it was pretty clear in the trends 
that streaming was going to eclipse both cable and broadcast sometime in the next year. Uh, I, I, looking, at the, looking at the way the trends were going, I actually thought it wouldn't happen until later in the year, maybe in, in um, November or, or December, sometime around that, that time frame, uh, because the trend was just so regular with streaming increasing and increasing. Um, but uh, hey, here we are. What do, what do you think's causing this? Why did why was this? I mean, it was a really big slump. Listen, I, I should give that data. Um, in June, cable was thirty six point five percent, so it actually lost two over two percent in share in just a month, and broadcast lost even more, almost three percent, from twenty four point four to twenty one point six percent. So, what's going on? Is this just reruns? killing the viewership for cable and t- um, broadcast? Well, I mean, the summer has always been the doldrums for broadcast. And uh, I think what we're seeing is a lot more content coming into the streaming platforms. And, you know, to your point earlier, SVOD and certainly AVOD as well. So um, there are a lot of people who are, we'll talk about cord cutting in a moment, but um you know, people are spending more time with streaming. The content choices and the number of services that people are subscribing to has been steadily increasing. And here we finally see the crossover point in July. Yep. And the pay TV, pay TV numbers in and, and Bruce Leishman, our friend Bruce Leishman, have processed his numbers and I take his numbers and massage them a little bit further. And it looks to me like pay tv cable satellite and telco traditional pay tv lost 1.7 million subscribers in q2 uh, this is this is far worse than q2 2021 where it lost 1.3 million uh, now traditional pay, pay tv providers have about 70 million subscriptions that's down from 76 million one year ago actually they lost 5.5 million uh, in the last year, and um, I, the way things are going, Will, with this acceleration, I think we're looking at six million subscribers more lost this year. So these these are pretty big declines now. And here's the interesting thing: um, over the last, actually, this will be if they do achieve this um, inglorious six million loss this year or five million loss this year. This will be the fourth year in a row in which the industry has lost over 5 million subscribers. That's 20 million subscribers down. And I've got to tell you, Will, this this also must be playing into the gauge, right? Because so many people are leaving now. It's not just that people are not watching because they're in rerun hell in the summer. It's because they're just not there anymore, right? I think that is right. Yeah, the um, the addressable universe of people uh, for broadcasters and cable TV networks has clearly shrunk, as you, as you point out, potentially by you know twenty million or so just in the last four years. And um, obviously, the fewer people that are able to that are even able to watch, the fewer people that are actually going to watch. So that is um, the challenge. And you know, as I said before, I think that. It's it's also important to note that we've seen this proliferation of new streaming services over these last few years and the level of content investment. I think we talked about Peak TV a couple of weeks ago, um, continuing to increase the number of original productions, and that's largely driven by streaming services. 
um, in 22, in 2022. So, um, you know, you kind of combine all these different forces and to some extent, I think that that, as you said, that was inevitable, that that uh, report from Nielsen, whether it was going to come in Q4 or July, it was going to happen at some point. It, it was indeed. And, you know, this, this uh, actually brings up a pretty interesting point, Will, which is that one of the mainstays of the pay TV industry that was supposed to keep holding providers, uh, keep sub- subscribers in the fold, which was sports, I think it's falling down on the on this, right? We saw Bally Sports, uh, Bally Sports Plus, from Sinclair has, is launching nationwide, and it's got it's taken its regional sports rights direct to streaming. So this is even sports are beginning to be a problem for for pay television to hold audiences, right? Well, you wouldn't know that by the Big Ten deal that was just announced this week, though. Uh, we were talking about this before we got on the call. Um, this incredible deal that Big Ten, um, of course, which attracted the uh, uh, which attracted UCLA and USC to switch over to them. Uh, that deal was announced earlier this summer, starting not this season, but the following season. Um, the Big Ten announced a new deal with the broadcasters, with three broadcasters, um, Fox, CBS, and NBC, uh, for what they've, or what has been said to be $7.5 billion. Um, and that's about a billion, a little over a billion dollars per year. So clearly, those broadcasters are still very much betting on the TV, um, the pay TV audience staying, you know, relatively large over the next several years. But so, you know, I, I just don't get this, Will, because when you think about it, th- these guys, th- those games are currently available on pay TV and they have been available on pay TV uh, for, the, for the length of that deal, the seven years of that deal via ESPN and, and Fox, as you said, that I think they, they were the previous, previous rights holders. Um, and this, <laughs> the, the data is there. This is failing to stop people from cancelling their subscriptions we're still seeing massive loss of subscribers from paid television and here they do here they go back and they spend two and a half times as much on the rights to these games and it's proven that this is not helping the this behavior is not helping them maintain their subscribers i mean we did some back of the envelope calculations i think before and what we came up with was like 18 million, roughly 18 million a game. Was the on a straight average, yeah, on, I think on a straight on a straight average basis. And yeah. so we did some other back of the envelope calculations, and I just don't see how the advertising watched by, say, a five million average five million audience for these games can support that level of investment. It just it just doesn't seem to add up, particularly when you think this is a seven year deal, will. And if they've lost 20 million in the last four years, what on earth is pay TV going to look like in seven years? I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Will there be any, anybody left? Yeah, I think we've had this conversation before. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly CBS, Fox and NBC believe that there are going to be viewers left. And um, it was also interesting that ESPN, which, as you said, ESPN and Fox had the deal for um, the last period, the current period, 
apparently they were paying 440 million. Now the deal is going to go to 1.1 billion per year. So ESPN had been in there with the Big Ten for 40 years, apparently, but could not figure out how to make a deal with um, with the Big Ten. So they may have been they may have just felt like they were priced out on this package that is that the other three broadcasters are stepping up for. But yeah, it certainly does beg the question five or five set five years from now, seven years from now, how many pay TV subscribers there will be. I guess another question, I didn't see this in any of the coverage, but what the broadcasters' rights are to include these games in their direct-to-consumer uh, direct offerings. So, um, you know, in CBS's case, Paramount Plus, in NBC's case, Peacock, uh, could they transition from broadcast or augment their broadcast of these games in the outer years with, uh, with their streaming coverage on their streaming services? So you've got to believe that they do have restream rights, right, Lloyd? Uh, right, Will, because when you think about it, they've done this with the NFL. They've made sure that the games that they broadcast on CBS and and um, ABC ABC can be rebroadcast, can be simulcast inside of Paramount Plus and ESPN Plus in Disney's case, ABC's, ABC's case. So I, I've got to believe that they wouldn't have done this deal without those rights right so i suppose what that means since this is a fox deal as well that fox hopefully got those rights saying the the espn plus can rebroadcast anything that's being broadcast on fox i mean we don't know that for sure but i mean i i think they would have been crazy if they did a deal that didn't include those simulcast rights on on streaming uh, but uh, so I guess that does give them some flexibility to continue to reach the audiences that they're that they're seeking. But you know, we we just don't know. I I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, I think certainly the narrative has been for a long time that sports are the firewall for pay TV. And um, I guess you know, back on your point earlier, as you were saying that it's not necessarily demonstrating a way to stem the losses from uh, people dropping their service. But I guess you could make the argument also that if they didn't do a deal like this, what, um, you know, what would happen to pay TV um, subscriptions then? How much worse would they be, I guess, put another way. So I don't know whether that warrants a 3x increase in what they're paying for Big Ten games, but um, but it does feel like it's pro it was a mandatory deal for them to get done. You think? Well, I don't know, Will. I mean, I, I've been looking at this, I looked at this um, quite a bit this week, and it, I was trying to figure out why sports aren't stopping people from leaving. And I think, I think first of all, if you're a casual sports fan, the, you really kind of don't need pay TV anymore because you've got enough options kicking around that if you want to continue to watch your local sports teams in pretty much all the sports, you know, in, in, the, in the major sports at least, you have the option of, you know, you can, you can use an antenna if you've got, if you're in a, uh, an area that's covered by broadcast TV to get NBC, CBS, ABC and Fox and you can watch that for free. You could subscribe to Fubo TV or YouTube TV, and I'm sure Hulu Live has also got some of these 
for a few months to watch when the season gets hot and when there's a hot game you could do that um, as we mentioned Paramount Plus and ESPN Plus have restream rights for some of the sports that they broadcast on their broadcast stations um, and of course Amazon Amazon Prime Video has got Thursday Night Football and um, uh, Apple TV Plus has got Major League double headers on uh, Friday nights. So, you know, there's lots of options, I think, for the casual sports viewer to get plenty of sports. Um, and I guess if they really can't find their local game, they can go over to a buddy's and watch. So I think for a casual sports viewer, I think they can, they can live without it fairly comfortable. But think about this, Will, even for the ultra fan, streaming is becoming an essential component, right? You look at what the, we, uh, we had that discussion about MLS, and MLS now, uh, from next season, if you want to watch MLS, you need Apple TV. You'll be able to watch some of the broadcast, some of the games on regular broadcast, but if you want to watch them all, you have to now be on streaming and it looks like it's going to be the same with Sunday football right with with the Sunday football rights that looks like it's also going to go to Apple Sunday ticket will be sold by Apple and you'll have to stream it so you know this this is really uh, sports was supposed to be the backstop and I don't see it uh, as being that big a backstop anymore it's like there's just so many options particularly for casual sports viewers you just don't need it right well i think that's the key is casual versus more dedicated and if you're more dedicated for instance here as we're talking about big 10 if you're a dedicated big 10 fan you you have to have this you're not going to not take pay tv so and miss on out on all these big 10 games so I get that's kind of the question that we're facing is what's the what's the number of casual versus dedicated sports fans out there and how low does that number go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, everybody that listens to podcasts know I'm a big fan of the Premier League. And you, you sort of zip back five years and the only way I could get it was to subscribe to a premium subscription tier of a traditional pay TV operator. I had Dish and it kept me subscribed to the second or third tier on Dish paying $20 more than the, the regular tier to watch Premier League. And, and now uh, I've got my Peacock subscription, which is six bucks a month, which allows me to watch most of the Premier League, Premier League games. So I can watch the ones that, I can't, that are on regular broadcast TV are being broadcast on USA. So I can do that with Sling. Sling TV um, or YouTube TV for that matter, which is 35 bucks a month. So here I am again. Now I'm I'm able to exist and watch all the Premier League games I would like without traditional pay TV. And I wonder, you know, maybe next time those rights come up, maybe I won't need even a Sling TV to watch them. I don't know. We'll, uh, I guess we'll have to see. But it just really does show how the leakage of sports now is under underway. Well, it's in full flood now. So I think by the time that the seven-year deal that you were talking about uh, expires with the Big Ten and the, gosh, the 10-year deal that the NFL just did for 2033, by the time those deals expire, boy, it's going to be a completely different marketplace. Fair enough. And I think uh, certainly a marketplace that we're going to be following, right? There's 
inevitably it seems like a story about sports and streaming at least on a weekly basis these days it, yeah and that that in itself is a marker <laughs> right that, that tells you things are changing so but anyway i think that's probably just about enough for this week that is good chatting colin and thanks everybody for listening in and we'll see you all again next week Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.